And we welcome you to our uh, Monday edition of our cross-cultural talk program with our alternative dispute resolution show. Ernie Tannis is with us in the studio, and I'm just uh, connecting to our special guest uh, here, Ernie. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Perhaps you can give us a bit of a background on today's program, which will continue uh, tomorrow as uh, we present Tuesday's uh, second half. And I'll... Uh, I'll get a hold of our uh, our special guest via the telephone. It's all yours. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Alternative Dispute Resolution Show, show number 167, I believe. But who's counting? And um, it's wonderful to have uh, this series continue and to have it on Monday and Tuesday now, back-to-back, 1230 to 1 o'clock in two parts. So we've adjusted to that. We're very lucky to have with us uh, live by phone today from Toronto uh, a gentleman, and indeed he is, uh, by the name of Scott Ruddick, how are you, Scott? I'm well, Ernie. Thank you. Now, Scott has, um, and I, we've interacted over the years uh, with his incredible work in uh, conflict resolution and culture. Uh, we worked in Gary with, uh, I met him uh, with uh, Melinda McDonald and Mike Miner with their uh, work, uh, um, and that's how I got to know him, and they've been on the show, and uh, Melinda was one of the first sponsors of the show, and of course, Scott, you might remember, you met my uh, wife, Yumna Ismail, we uh, interacted together on different things. And Scott Ruddick has got some very uh, interesting positions. Uh, today, he's with a group called MIDA. Uh, he's program manager of the Measurement Evaluation Outcomes Assessment for the Mennonite Economic Development Association. He's got an incredible resume, which I want to get into, but uh, the, the topic today is when cultures collide, how cultural identity leads to conflict and cultural awareness leads to peace. Um, I'm just going to make one sentence of something that he wrote me. Uh, culture is an essential part of conflict and conflict resolution. I looked through his resume uh, for our listeners to see the scope and depth of uh, Scott's experience. And he's also a father, so that uh, makes it even wonderful when you're a father and uh, husband to understand the world. He's been in Tanzania, Kenya, Ethiopia, Thailand, Malawi, across Canada, the United States, Bolivia, Peru, Dubai, Bermuda, and uh places here and in between. So, Scott, I'm wondering uh, if we could, if you can give our listeners a background of yourself, how you got into the field. Uh, you've got such a, a deep background here. I'd like you to share some of the experience you had in teaching and intervention and what led you to this wonderful organization. Well, thanks very much, and thank you. Thank you for that introduction, Ari. That uh, was very nice. I've been uh, working in the development field for several years now, uh, first as, a, as an independent consultant, working with a number of different aid agencies and, and projects, and, uh, and pretty much around the world had, have had some great opportunities. And I've just previously, or I've just, just uh, now joined, within the past month, have joined uh, MEDA, which is the Midnight Economic Development Associates, which is an international NGO based out of Waterloo, and we run projects pretty much worldwide, looking at poverty alleviation and, uh, and economic empowerment. Previous to that, I was, um, I was uh, teaching as well. I'm uh, um, adjunct faculty at uh, York University at the School of Business, as well as at Royal Roads University, where I teach cross-cultural management to the uh, MBAs as well as the, the undergrad programs. And actually next week, I'm on my way to Iran for a two-week engagement to teach the same thing at Sharif University there. So I've had an opportunity to, um, I think, look at, at the issues of of culture, both uh, practically as a practitioner working in a number of different uh, countries and cultures, as well as to look at it from a theoretical and an academic perspective, having the opportunity to have um, taught for the past few years at, at a, a number of universities. Well, the timing is um, is quite something in terms of this topic and how we're going to address it. As I mentioned to you, it's not often I get many emails before a show, but in this one, a few people like Tana Saller, who's a holistic uh, 
healer, um, emailed me and gave me some leads and thought it was an incredibly important topic. And uh, Beverly Britton, who's also been on the show, emailed me from the United States. She sent notices out to worldwide and felt it was a very, very timely thing. Uh, um, and there's so many levels to it, you know, Scott. Um, uh, you know, it's almost hard to know where to start. Uh, one thing that's sort of on my mind, almost at the, t- at the top of the uh, mindset, I was listening to, I guess, Jeff Provencal, I think. Uh, he's a, tech, the te- um, a great guy here. He's a, te- he's a te- production manager here at Chin Radio, 97.9 FM, and he does a Sunday afternoon show with Jeff, uh, Jerry Apsey on the Arabic show, but he speaks English, and um, it sparked me when he was talking yesterday. Basically, there's good and bad apples in every culture. He might have used more flowery language, but... Uh, <laughs> The thing is, like the way I'm just wondering if it's okay just to start it off. Like the first thing people think about culture, you think of racial profiling that goes on, stereotyping that goes on. I wonder if that's an okay place to springboard this conversation. I think that's I think that's that's a you know a great place to start the conversation because anytime we're looking at at cultures and the, the impact that different cultures and different cultural norms can have on our interactions with other people. Um, you know, I think when we first look at it and we tend, you know, we hear the, the concept of stereotyping, and I think a lot of times that's seen in a negative light. And what I'll do when I work with my students at the universities and also when I've worked internationally and I've had an opportunity to train some business executives who are going to work overseas as well, is I will tell them, I said that, quite frankly, Stereotyping is something that that I think we all do at some level. And as long as we keep some parameters in mind, is that we understand that stereotyping, really what we're doing is we're looking at, it's our first way of approaching different cultures or looking at different groups of people. And so we'll, we'll tell our students when we're looking at, you're probably, as you're looking at working internationally or working with different cultures, are going to be either on a conscious level or maybe more intuitively will be assigning preferences or ideas of characteristics that they're probably going to be bringing to your interactions. And what we tell the students is, is there's three things you need to keep very much in front of mind. You need to, you know, when you're looking at stereotyping and looking at assigning uh, cultural norms and cultural traits to people, is first is to ensure that that is consciously held, to really understand that that uh, this idea and this perspective is, some, is, is something that's, that's consciously held so you're aware of it. The second is that it's, it's descriptive, but it's not evaluative. So you're looking at a cultural trait or a norm, and it's just a way of you helping to frame the conversation and frame the interaction, and it's not, you're not attaching value judgments. And the last, and I think most important, is that it's best first guess. It's just a way of starting the interaction, of starting looking at how can I work successfully with this culture in a conflict situation, if you're looking at a negotiation, a resolution, a mediation, whatever it is, that this is just your first best guess. And that you're open to new ideas, new concepts, and, and components as you're going through your interaction. Well, that's so good to hear that this kind of cultural awareness uh, training, teaching, discussing is going on at those levels. Um, as you know, when I was doing some interaction with the Mohawks and Akwesasne with the CICR, one of the things I learned from an elder there was that cultures are like flowers. One day the world should be a beautiful bouquet. And when we look at the growing bouquet to try to nourish it, um, you used a word when we were talking about the show that struck me, is that you know it's almost intuitive that we have something in our, our mind. Before you even talk to someone, I call it the six or seven Gs, the genetics, the genealogy, the generation, the geography, the gender, and so on. Before you even talk to someone, these are all imbued in you. So on the um, verbal and intellectual level, everything you say makes sense and everything, but I know that from what you told me, you understand it's very deep-rooted. How do we uh, um, almost get by denial 
and ha- raise that self-awareness internally, both in terms of individuals, institutions, and internationally? Well, I think I'll, I'll address first the, the, the professional level. I think that, that's a very good question. And it's, you know, it's interesting you, you brought up some of the, the personal experiences you've had. I'll, I'll just relate an experience that I had probably about a year ago, and it was quite interesting. I was speaking with a, a senior executive who worked for, for an oil firm. In, uh, in the Western provinces, and and we were talking about the courses that I teach at the MBA level, which is cross-cultural management, teaching future managers how to work effectively with other cultures. And he asked a lot of questions about it, and, it, and at some point I finally said, I said, you know, you're, you're really interested in this. I'm just curious and hearing a little bit more about why you're so interested. And he paused and he said, you know, Scott, we hire a lot of MBA students. And he said, I'm so glad that they're now finally getting, you know, starting to get this training and develop this awareness because a lot of what the business schools are teaching and a lot of what the schools are teaching are skill sets that, frankly, we have. I think how he expressed it was, you know, we know how to do discounted cash flow analysis. He says, what we don't know is how to equip our managers with the communication and the cultural awareness skills to work successfully with other cultures. And this is a, uh, a uh, firm and uh, an agency that has worked um, around the world and has had uh, a number of cross-cultural conflicts. So I think probably when we look at equipping ourselves, we call it, um, and I call it being an effective style shifter. And that's understanding the different ways that people in this particular culture communicate. That's understanding how they approach risk. That's understanding how they approach uh, decision-making. Are they more individualistic? Are they more collective? There's a number of different frameworks that we encourage professionals we work with and as well as the uh, the students that, that I work with, that we encourage them to be aware of and, the, and to, to take a look at. So get a sense of where you sit on the cultural framework, where your sort of home base of culture is, and then take a look at how it compares to where you're going and the areas you're going to be working in. And I think that is one of the first most important steps that you can make towards becoming culturally aware, to, to developing that level of awareness. Because once you've got that level of awareness, once you understand the potential conflicts or areas of contention that you're going to have around cultural parameters, you're much more equipped to deal with them when they come up or to even to preempt them before they even do come up. Well, you certainly uh, walk your talk uh, when you, 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 you discuss these things. I uh, was trying to understand what you meant when you said when you become self-aware of stereotyping, it can lead to something positive, even the title of this show when cultures collide, how cultural identity leads to conflict and cultural awareness leads to peace is to transform uh, like the uh, swords and the plowshares. We're going to talk more about the Mennonite community and its background in tomorrow. But I want to ask you another question that just came to in terms of language and communication on a global level, which I know that you uh, you can speak to all these levels, is that people hear language every day, you know, Scott, from the media and everything. And there's a, we've done a lot of shows on that. But when they hear about words like clash of civilizations and uh, it's the we-they world, um, how do you... Um, infiltrate or influence is a better word that kind of uh, global wording when you've got a media using sort of adversarial words all the time and there's people like you and many many others all over trying to get people to reframe reshape and re retool their their language and approaches how do you deal with that do you think oh i'm glad you brought that up because i think a lot of the way media and the way popular media and popular culture characterize other cultures tends to be somewhat dramatic, and it tends to be polarizing. I think you're absolutely right. So again, as, as I come back to it, I think the first step is, is seeking to understand, seeking to understand what are the values and the norms 
uh, of the other culture that you're working with and seek first to, to establish those sort of parameters. And, and to be aware that a lot of the media attention and a lot of the media references are just by, uh, I think just by nature, are going to be emphasize the negative, they're going to emphasize the differences, and they're going to emphasize the, 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 uh, the dramatics of it. And so being aware of that and being able to respond accordingly, I think, is, is, is the first solid first step. And if you can, you can successfully do that working internationally, I think I mean, you're halfway there towards alleviating a lot of the unnecessary cross-cultural conflicts that, that we see occur. Well, the, it's all about education, which is what this ADR show about is the 97.9 FM. And um, I'm going to, you know, before we go to break, I want to uh, ask you, and in the, when we come back from break, I'm going to be intrigued to hear the beginning of the discussion of the uh, Ting Tumi uh, framework. It's a really interesting uh, analysis of the impact of culture and conflict that you're going to expand upon. But would you care to comment? I don't want to put you on the spot but you know how to be how to get out of spots but <laughs> from your perspective in a, as objective a way as you can how does Canada do you think fit in like this sort of image of Canada although it's got all these unresolved issues say with the um, First Nations people and other uh, immigrant uh, settlement issues is Canada really deserve the reputation it has in terms of a, a place where cultural peace uh, cross-cultural peace discussion and building is a model for the world Absolutely, I, I think I think we do. I, I think you know, we, as you've alluded to, we do have issues, but we're working through them. I think we're working through them in, in a peaceful manner. But I can tell you, as having had the opportunity to work and live in more than twenty countries around the world, is that Canada has has uh, an unparalleled reputation um, for cultural sensitivity and for uh, just for a peaceful approach towards resolving cultural conflicts and challenges. And I think we need to look no further than the fact that we've been able to. Um, uh, work or to to live su- successfully. I mean, there have been challenges with the uh, with the uh, with Quebec and with the, the two separate cultures and two separate languages, and really to do it successfully. And I think that's seen as a model for the world. And of course, we've also seen the, the work that we've done around human rights, and uh, it's been a, seen as a model worldwide. So, as someone who's had the opportunity to interact with people from many different cultures all around the world, I can attest that Canada has, I think, a very well-regarded reputation, and uh, and it continues to do so. Well, that's great to hear. So, we're going to move from Nimbi Nine, not in my backyard, to <laughs> Yimbi, yes, in my backyard, as we are in conversation with Scott Ruddock from Toronto, Program Manager of the Mennonite Economic Development Associates, who can be reached at www www.media.media.org and Gary Michaels will take us to a break. We'll come back. Stay tuned. We're going to get into some more interesting aspects of culture and conflict and conflict resolution. Child amputees in the War Amps CHAMP program have an important message for drivers. Drive safe. Many of these children lost limbs in accidents caused by someone else's careless driving. Be a part of the War Amps Drive Safe campaign. Order your Drive Safe rear window sticker at 1-800-250-3030 or waramps.ca. Motorists and the Waramps, working together to make driving safer. Saturday, April 12th at 5 p.m. on Omni One, Johnny Lombardi, the Great Communicator. A personal account of Johnny's life of a man considered by many as the pioneer of multicultural broadcasting in Canada. From his humble beginnings to Chin Radio, his dream come true. Over 35 interviews recounting moments in the life of Johnny Lombardi, as told by Jean Chrétien, Art Eggleton, Sergio Marquis, Julian Fantino, Mel Lastman, Sam the Record Man, Ben Vicari, Joe Patalone, and many more. 
Johnny Lombardi, the great communicator, on Omni One, Saturday, April 12th at 5 p.m. It's 12.48, sunny Monday in the nation's capital, and we're back with our uh, alternative dispute resolution program, Ernie Tannis, and uh, his special guest as we continue with our show. Ernie? Well, it's back with Scott Ruddick uh, with the uh, Mennonite Economic Development Association, as I said, M-E-D-A dot uh, uh, com, is it? Dot org, sorry, dot org. Now, Scott, uh, I know we're going to mention this a little bit more tomorrow, but I want to sort of lead into this uh, very interesting framework uh, that you're going to you're going to sort of teach us about and discuss with us. But um, my own background, like I've always felt from my own 25 year history now in learning about ADR, um, the groups that preceded us, especially the Mennonite community, I don't know if it's as well known, uh, but they really planted a lot of great seeds. And one person in particular that certainly among many others, back in the 80s, was Dean Peachy. He's, um, I think he teaches now at Menno Simons College, which is a uh, college of the Canadian Mennonite University. Mm-hmm. He was with the Conflict Resolution Network uh, uh, now. It used to be called the Network. I remember near the beginning, I said, geez, uh, Dean, what can someone like me do that's coming in from another discipline and trying to do things? He said, well, Ernie, help spread the message. So <laughs> to me, it was like a mandate. I don't know if he remembers that, but... Uh, maybe we could just touch on that uh, uh, now in terms of that background. It certainly ties into your organization. And maybe you can lead us into this uh, very intriguing Ting Tumi uh, framework. Well, absolutely. I mean, the Mennonites are, of course, one of the original peace churches. And the Mennonite philosophy is, is one of, of seeking uh, non, uh, you know, non-violent responses to conflicts, of looking at opportunities for, for peace building. And the organization I'm with, MEDA, uh, which is the acronym for the, it's, uh, it's was founded in, in 1953 by a small group, a group of, of Mennonite entrepreneurs who decided to work uh, uh, supporting a, a, a dairy project in Paraguay um, called the Serona Dairy. The success of that particular project led to the formation of, of MEDA, and MEDA has been around uh, since 1953, and we've had an opportunity to, to work primarily in, in economic development and in, and in poverty alleviation. And I really see this, this form of work that MEDA does um, which is development work, I see it really is, is a form of, of peace building, um, a leading cause of, of, uh, of strife, of, of world strife and of, of economic strife, really is economic disparity. And that's what our organization seeks to, to remedy. And so you um, wanted to talk a little bit about, I know, the, the Ting Tomi uh, framework, and that was, uh, we'll be talking I know, more about that later on and, and possibly tomorrow, but just to introduce it, one of the best frameworks to get a, a sense of how different cultures approach conflict was developed by a theorist called Stella Ting Tome, and hence the name, the framework, called the Ting Tome Framework. And she looked at the different ways that cultures approach conflict and dealing with the inevitable, uh, sometimes negative interactions that people can have. And she sort of centered along that cultures either fall along one of two axioms. They're either what she calls instrumental-orientated or expressive-orientated. And in instrumental-orientated tends to be cultures that, uh, similar to what hear us in North America, individualistic cultures, um, think of cultures such as uh, in Western Europe, UK, Canada, and the U.S., and the expressive-orientated are cultures that perhaps have more of a collectivist orientation and are more interested in, in issues of group harmony. And she took that, and through analysis and research, and it's been established over time, that 
cultures will tend to fall along one of these two axioms in terms of how they approach conflict and how they actually uh, deal with the issues of uh, of dealing with the conflicts that arise either in the workplaces or between cultural interactions. And she's developed some very interesting tools and some analysis and some research around that. How could people access that information? Um, maybe we can spell her name or, I mean, is it, uh, maybe just some leads for listeners. Like uh, some people like to walk away from the show with a tip or an idea, something they can follow up on. Do you have any sort of general leads for listeners to follow up on these really important things that you're teaching us about uh, neighborhoods, communities, family, workplace, uh, the global village? Well, absolutely. I think the, probably the first step is, is obviously, is, is um, if you would just Google that her name, and I'll spell it, it's Stella, and it's Ting Tome, and it's T-I-N-G-T-O-O-M-E-Y, and you'll find and you'll access to a n- number of different websites and articles that reference the work that she's done. And there's been, uh, it's been about 20 years now that these frameworks have been used, so there's a lot of information, a lot of supporting information out there. So that would probably be a, a good first step in terms of your listeners developing uh, a skill set and awareness around how to use that framework as one way of addressing the issues of cross-cultural conflict. You know, I was just doing that while you spoke on this little wonderful computer here. It's just, it's incredible what you can find on this stuff. Uh, um, how do you take, um, um, you know, these, um, and we're going to get into more depth tomorrow, but some of the uh, practical application of these and what, you, what you're doing at Mita, but uh, um, it sort of ties into some of the themes from the beginning of this show is... Um, it's almost um, hard to meet anyone who uh, people are very reluctant. Uh, they say that in Canada, it's almost like we have systemic racism, or it's almost like there's a big pink elephant in the room, or it's a, a difficult subject. But as you say, Canada is a model. But in terms of um, um, as soon as you try to frame this stuff, it's hard to get people's brains off the fact that whenever they think of violence or think of certain issues in certain places a certain group comes to mind as a group and i must say every now and then i i wonder myself is there something in people's blood or something that goes from generation to generation and uh i don't know from what you just told me about the framework and everything it somehow it keeps getting me back to that that point that it's um it's it's hard to to hard to um not address that that mindset that's in the general public it's a that's a good question, and and I'll, I'll address your first point of you. Know, are there particular cultures, um, or are there particular nationalities that maybe have a predisposition towards conflict? And, and I would I would say just on on both a personal level as well as the on the on the level of the work that I've done, I would say the answer is is no. I think that where we run into conflicts, especially cross cultural conflicts, is where we have perhaps a clash of values or a clash of ethics mm-hmm. or a clash of styles in terms of how people communicate mm-hmm. or the, how they relate to each other. But I, I don't think that we can say that there are certain cultures or certain nationalities that have a predisposition towards conflict. I think what we we can say is that when that conflict or strife will arise in an international setting where we have disparities, where you have income disparities or rights disparities um, or issues around or, or those types of issues. And so seeking to resolve this, which is what um, organizations such as MEDA do, I think go a long way towards addressing some of the inherent uh, instabilities and um, in, in, inequities that are built into many of the international systems. Oh, that's um, that's very helpful. And then, of course, and there's inherent in them is a, some universal truths that uh, upon which we can build the kind of things that this topic is speaking to, which is uh, cultural awareness leads to peace. I had religious leaders on looking at as you picked up the word 
the common values of the Abrahamic faiths. And you've talked about the Mennonite as a Christian community. And I see saying the prophet Abraham would be unhappy that his great, 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 great grandchildren are all quarreling. I just came back from the Middle East and it was incredible to be in these places like Jerusalem and uh, all the sites that you read and hear about. Um, I know we only got a couple of minutes, but the, on the topic that will also then be on people's mind that's coming to me is like, you know, um, is the role of religion and these leaders, the ones I've seen around the world and the ones here say, what are the common values of those faiths and not exposing those who manipulate them? Why do people see religion as a source of conflict? And even humanists I know that are, have good values, you know, raise these legitimate questions. Well, I, I think that uh, sometimes religion gets um, painted with a with an unfair brush. I think that uh, religious institutions are human institutions, and as such, they're going to have, be exposed to the human frailties that all institutions are. And I, you know, I, I think we need to look at at um, when we we look at interreligious conflict or we look at religious conflict and strife as really is just an extension of the human condition. So I, I mean, I, I tend to see that the, the impact that religion has, obviously MEDA is, is a Christian organization, but the impact that religion has, has had overall, I think, has been generally very positive in terms of, of resolution of conflict. Well, that's a fair, balanced um, perspective on this, and we're going to be uh, exploring deeper perspectives on all these subjects when we come back on uh, part two tomorrow. We're going to be in conversation uh, with Scott Ruddock uh, tomorrow, which is um, Tuesday, April the 8th from 1230 to 1 here on Chin Radio 97.9 FM. Scott Ruddock is Program Manager with the Mennonite Economic Development Association, MEDA. And uh, as you were uh, talking, I thought I'd Google something else. I Googled the name of Scott Ruddock. And I would, I would recommend uh, listeners maybe do that too. There's a lot of information there that um, you've contributed to, Scott. I'm really glad that we've uh, been able to... Uh, well, we've talked over the months about maybe doing something together, and I'm glad that sort of this came together, especially since uh, May 21st, which is coming up, which is the uh, UN World Day for co- for C- Cultural Diversity, Development, and Dialogue. And I hope we, we can talk about that tomorrow, about that World Day and uh, what it's, the Millennium Goals is trying to achieve and how that fits into our topic. And we've got about uh, just a short time left. Uh, maybe if you have a final thought to share with our listeners, and we'll we'll go from here tomorrow. I think the, uh, the final thought is what I've, I always come back to is that Mita has an office in in, uh, in Winnipeg, and uh, at the uh, top level of office, there's the Canadian Food Grain uh, Food Grain Grains Bank, which works to help alleviate um, hunger worldwide. And they have a sign across their door, and I, I sort of sense out a lot of what I believe that Mita works towards and what international development works towards. And it says, "Where hunger rules, peace cannot prevail." Yes. And, I've, and I've always thought that that's, you know, that's absolutely right. Where there's economic disparity and a lack of, of development, I think that's, that's inherent to you know, the causations of, of conflict. And uh, so I look forward to speaking some more with your listeners tomorrow on, thank, on these topics. Thank you. As the, as the chief said in Nakwasasti, uh, you can't do ADR on an empty stomach. <laughs> Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks a lot, Scott. Thank you, Ernie. Kind of interesting, too, uh, Ernie, that uh, we have Scott on the air, and they're celebrating Scottish Day up on Parliament Hill today, by the way. So <laughs> oh, really? it all fits in very yeah, nicely. Very nice. Another coincidence. <laughs> there you go. Looking forward to Scott's return tomorrow on our ADR program here on Chin Radio in Ottawa 97.9. And you can contact us anytime at ChinOttawa at ChinRadio.com. We look forward to your comments. Good and or indifferent. Enjoy the rest of your day with Chin. The Arabic program is up next.